0: Hello there. Welcome to episode 265 of the No Procinium podcast, the voice of everything immersive. I'm your host, Noah Nelson, coming to you from the No Pro headquarters aka the kitchen table here in Los Angeles. This week on the show it's one of our team speak episodes so it's members of the editorial staff uh, talking about the news of the day and this one's gonna be a lot about VR. Um, the original plan for it and even you'll hear in the course of the episode uh, we were gonna do uh, try and do a whole bunch of stuff and it wound up being uh, almost all all VR. Big discussion about uh, Venice VR expanded, uh, discussion about some of the other uh, VR festivals that are coming up, sort of how things are flowing. Talk about the Quest 2, talk about Facebook. Uh, We do get uh, at the end, uh, the, the end of show rant is actually on the show. Uh, where we're talking about uh, sort of programming during the pandemic, uh, but there were some things we were going to get into, uh, kind of a kind of an upbeat uh, ending, uh, you know, uh, a philosophical discussion about categories that we wanted to do that uh, we just wound up running out of time. Uh, there are things I had to do, and we kind of kind of lost some energy on this one because we we're recording late and everyone's been really super busy. Um, for those of you who are backers of the show, uh, thank you so much. There is an episode of the irregular. Uh, which is uh, on the feed right now. It went out before this episode is going out on the feeds. So that's via the Patreon feed, uh, specifically the Patreon-exclusive RSS. It's been some time since we did one, and it's more of kind of a programming note thing than anything. Uh, We are... um, we are looking ahead at uh, some uh, some fresh programming uh, coming along. We've been doing some uh, fun hangout stuff in the Discord, which is open to our Patreon backers and those who have badges to the here Summit of the Festival who bought them, uh, who will be getting refunds soon because uh, we're not able to do an event this year. Uh, for those uh, in both those categories, uh, we are going to be doing a kind of a town hall, hangout, salon weekend on October third and fourth. Uh, that's just open to badge holders and backers. Uh, it's going to be pretty chill. Um, it's not. We're not marketing this as a big, big, big event, uh, but uh, there should be some fun people there and some just some good conversations. And if you if you're looking for community and you're looking for conversation and you want to run into some folks, uh, it's it's not a bad place to be that weekend. Uh, we would have done something more elaborate, but uh, it's been a, been a rough summer. More on that in the irregular. I do want to thank those who have been backing us. Uh, we've gotten a, a slew of new backers uh, this week uh, that's kind of balancing the scales because um, there's always a little bit of churn. So four brand new backers this week, Xander uh, Iroff, Sarah Gupta, D Harvey, and Karmisha Reeb. Thank you all so much. It's really, really means a lot. It's really heartening. And uh, Samuel Mustry, who is one of our uh one of our sustaining backers, has upped his pledge, which is just um it's absolutely incredible uh and absolutely humbling. Our sustaining backers are Mark Baltazar, Jan Budman, Paul F. Lonnie Hansen, Ari Hurston, Sam Kinkin, Samuel Mustry, who just yeah, right? sydney Gillery, Jeremy Charles Hahn, Alicia Mullen, Emily Gillette, Brittany, and Elaine Uh, please, uh, if this work we do is valuable to you, uh, patreon.com slash no is the way, uh, if we can, if we can keep on growing that thing and, uh, get ourselves through all this, all this craziness, uh, one day we will be a real organization, uh, and we'll be able to pay, uh, pay us what, yeah, pay everybody what they're worth. I look forward to that. Um, I'm really tired, so I'm sorry. (laughs) There's a lot of me in this episode, so let's just uh, let's get to it because uh, you don't you don't need me more of this guy right now. I know I don't. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> Hey, everybody. Back from the cold open. Noah, of course, here. You recognize this voice. You're tired of it by now. Joining us from uh, the four corners, two corners, two parts of the United States tonight, members of the No Presidium team. First, uh, coming to us from Chicago, is our Chicago curator, Patrick McLean. Say hello to everyone, Patrick.
1: Hi, everyone. Thanks so much for having me. I'm looking forward to uh, tonight's conversation.
0: All right. And then uh, joining us from an undisclosed location in Los Angeles, so I don't make that mistake again, uh, is our VR correspondent uh, jumping in because you can probably guess what we're going to talk about this week. That'd be Will Cherry. Say hello, Will.
2: Uh, Hello. I am from my home. That is in Los Angeles. Thanks.
0: It's <laughs> making sure nobody gets doxxed tonight. Um, watch, watch, watch me complain about something in my neighborhood in about two minutes, uh, and then finally uh, joining us from another part of Los Angeles, our executive editor Catherine Yu. Hey, Catherine.
3: Yes, together yet apart. Hello.
0: We uh, we are recording this inside the here Discord, uh, which is uh, the the official No Presidium all day long hangout. Uh, some folks were in the cafe earlier. Uh, you know, if you don't know what this is, it's a Discord. Uh, if you don't know what Discord is, come on, this is month six of lockdown, and that's not hyperbole. It is literally the sixth month of us doing this. You know what Discord is by now. Um, and uh, but we haven't recorded in here for a while, so we've got one fo- uh, one folk, <laughs> one whole folk listening. That would be Xander. Uh, hello, Xander. Uh, I know you you're not allowed to talk in here. I'm sorry about that, but it's fun having someone listening in. Um, so, uh, speaking of uh, digital realities, let's start tonight off in VR. But we're not going to start with the obvious. Uh, we're going to start with Venice. Because, uh, Catherine, you uh, absorbed, like, almost the a entirety lot. <laughs> of Venice VR Expanded.
3: Yeah, yeah. So they had, oh, this is a lot. So they had 25 experiences that were available on Viveport, which is uh, an application similar to Steam VR that runs on PC. So uh, most of the major headsets can run Viveport, and there were a lot of 6DOF, 6 Degrees of Freedom experiences there. In addition to that, there were 9 360 videos, which were kind of spread across these universes. Um, So there were copies of the 9 films in Viveport, but if you have an Oculus headset, you could go into Oculus TV and watch them there. And if you uh, were a VRChat user, you could go into VRChat, which is available on almost every headset and through PC. And you could go into this specially designed exhibit hall where you could get demos or teasers or like little interactives of the Six Degrees of Freedom experiences. They weren't the full experiences, but you would walk around this exhibit hall and be able to watch the films for free and get a taste of the 25-odd projects that were available on Viveport. And then in addition to that, there were a bunch of live performances, each one kind of on their own separate platform. Uh, One was on Neos, another one was leveraging uh, their own kind of iOS or Android app. Uh, One of them, you had to actually download and install their own custom app. And then uh, we also had several experiences that were available just for the press, and those were only on Oculus. So out of. The Six Degrees of Freedom experiences, I saw all but two, and I didn't really look at the films. So overall, I'd say I probably looked at like 30-odd VR pieces over the course of a week.
0: I still kind of can't believe you managed to absorb as much of it. And I know for those who really want to go in-depth on the last episode or... Actually, by by the time this airs, on one of the last episodes of the Voices of VR podcast with Kent bai, uh you you guys did like a three hour talk uh, uh, critics roundtable. So folks really really want to dive in deep. Uh, but
3: yeah, it kind of felt like we were egging each other on. <laughs> like, how much do you have left? Oh well, I couldn't run this. Oh, I figured out how to patch this. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that plugin that you recommended for this thing actually fixed my other issue somewhere else. And then yeah, that's a lot
0: of technical. but like, pad. I mean, how? But aside from that, Mrs. Lincoln, like, how? How were the actual? <laughs> things? How was the
3: play? How right. Was the how play? was the play?
0: Because you absorbed you absorbed a lot. I mean, like, yeah, top level. What's what's the state of um, what's the state of the 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 content inside the festivals? Because I think there's a lot we can do talking about like how this stuff is being presented to people, et cetera, et cetera. I know I caught like I think four or five of the six stuff pieces that were on that are available for quest. And I caught a, a few of the, 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 a few of the 360 videos and spent a little bit of time in VR chat. But um, how, how are things advancing? Like are are creatives making leaps and bounds or has just like the, is everyone jumped in the pool? What's, what's the feeling right now?
3: I do feel like everyone has jumped in the pool. So you had stuff that was, um, not super interactive, where it was mainly a uh, you know stay where you are and look around experience. There were ones where you had a little bit more movement. And they might be um, flipping between like scanned environments and then something that was being run by a game engine. And then back, uh, you had a lot of stuff that was maybe dollhouse or tabletop scale. Um, you had a lot of animated um, things as well. And then you had stuff that was highly interactive and different every time, or maybe had branching narrative. And in addition to that, um, out of the competition, the curators had selected uh, a bunch of games and apps that they liked. So something like Sound Self or The Room VR or Down the Rabbit Hole were also being presented next to something that might be like a 10-minute documentary or something that might be like an hour-long branching film. Mm. So it is all over the place.
4: All
0: of us. A lot of folks in the pool. Will, by any chance, did you have time to check out any of the Venice stuff this year?
2: Not yet. I have been kind of so slammed in my work uh, recently and it's only gotten worse in some ways. Worse in a way of more work. I like work, but I do (laughs) want to get into more that Venice has to offer and I'm actually really intrigued because some of the same pieces I saw at at Sundance this year, I think have also returned for their Venice debut, and some of them yeah. I do crown victorious as brilliant pieces. Uh, but I am curious on that interactive front. I'm delighted to hear that a lot of um, regularly released pieces like Down the Rabbit Hole uh, are showing up alongside these artistic venues. But I'm curious, Catherine, in terms of interactivity, how how did that scale in a way of Were there things that had zero interactivity that you wish had some or the things that were too interactive and it felt confusing? Did you feel like some projects really, really nailed it and got to the right audience and figured out how to do interactivity in a way that uh, felt intuitive?
3: Yeah, so I think um, some of the places where it just didn't seem to land or resonate as much with me were ones where uh, they wanted you to put your hand in a specific place or pull on something, and that is what was the bottleneck. That was the gate that kept the story from moving forward. And yet, you weren't necessarily cast into that world in a specific role. And you were like, OK, I'm a kind of a warrior or a ghost. Or maybe I'm a god in here. And I can move some things around for the characters. But they don't necessarily make eye contact with you or acknowledge you. Um, there are ones where I felt more like I was immersed, I was embodied, I was part of this world. Um, so there was a really funny. Uh, comedy with a lot of political overtones uh, from some Taiwanese makers called The Great Hoax, where you are some actor down on your luck, and the conceit is the only way that Taiwan can make it as a global superpower is if they fake a moon landing, and you become the astronaut that has to fake the moon landing, and they put you on this like VR sound stage. So you're in VR, and you're doing stuff, and someone's directing you, and then they're actually uh, capturing your gestures and playing them back to you later, and there's just a lot of layers to it and a lot of uh, spontaneity. So you could probably go back and do things multiple times. So that was one that I really enjoyed. Another one that I really enjoyed was the demo of Gnomes and Goblins, which uh, Weaver and John Favreau have been working on for forever, and it's actually coming out um, next week. But this which felt which is like... which is
0: almost like unbelievable on a certain level because yeah. <laughs> it's like right. I mean they have they have been working on Gnomes and Goblins. It was like i think that was announced before before the rift went on
3: sale i want to say maybe i'm
0: wrong four years ago (laughs) yeah it's been a long
4: time yeah um but
3: you you really feel like you're the the main character you're the protagonist you've got all these little creatures around you and they're trying to show you the way and it's a very rich evocative world and uh you know it's it's more similar to a dark ride The demo was you are on rails, but as you're moving forward, like they're just hitting all the right emotional beats and it's completely wordless, but you're getting a lot of the sense of who these creatures are, what matters to them, and what your place might be in their story. And then it kind of ends in a way where it feels like this is a prologue to something much bigger, which it is. Like there's that fully fledged game coming out, but this was one of the ones where it was like, okay, I'm human scale. I am in this world, my presence matters, and what I do moves the story forward. And you don't necessarily see that in a lot of this festival work, because it's coming at it more from a voyeuristic angle or a film angle, or it ends up feeling more like something like Bandersnatch or a choose your own adventure, where you're following the branches, but it doesn't really feel like you have a part to play in the story. You're just kind of controlling what happens to the characters along these preset uh, paths.
0: And sometimes that can kind of still work and feel like a piece of immersive theater. I know, you know, Baobab had um, Baba Yaga, uh, which has just a, an insane amount of voice talent attached to it. It's like Kate Winslet, Daisy Ridley, Glenn Close, Jennifer Hudson, right. the <laughs> producer uh, on it. and And it reminded me, of all things, of a speakeasy society show. Wherein I'm cast as a character, uh, I'm cast as an important character, I have agency, but my ability to express that agency is, is limited uh, to, to very specific ways, but I still have choices to make. And those can affect the resolution of the experience, uh, unlocking different scenes or whatnot. And it's not long, it's like, you know, I don't know, I want to say it's like a 10 minute thing.
3: Oh no! And it's Longer, yeah. Longer? They told me it was twenty-two.
0: Twenty-two? Oh, I right. did not. Right.
3: It it feels like it's so magical, and they're yeah. hitting the right beats. That when you do take the headset off, you're like, "Oh, that was actually like a pretty long experience."
0: Yeah, no, you're right. It is twenty-two. It it feels, it it it's the right length. Like it's it's longer, and it, it might have been draggy and shorter, and it wouldn't have been enough. It was. Uh, and again, you know, 22 Minutes is about the length of a Speakeasy Society episode. So I was sort of really impressed by, by the fact that something that didn't involve a live performance could create the feeling of an immersive theater piece. Um, and I, I don't know. And I think the feeling of a certain type of immersive theater piece I, I think I should I should point out here um, one that's pretty scripted and a little a little closer to on the rails. Um, and that's that's well and good. You know, I'm I'm, I'm glad that sort of thing's in there.
2: there I was really oh, go ahead. No, please. I was going to say a really good framework um, if you're working on a narrative piece in VR in any capacity is if at any point someone tells you how long have I been in here or what time is it? you have a problem?
3: Oh, no, you've lost them
2: you've lost them, you officially lost them. The idea is if time is relative in VR and you forgot how long you've done something, that is considered a success. The moment you check, or the moment someone isn't sure, is a point in the experience that might have to be
4: re-looked at.
3: That makes total sense and is a brilliant insight, Will. I'm sure you you came up with that all on your own, right?
2: (laughs) I mean, if I didn't, uh, you tell me where I got it from. (laughs)
3: Yeah, um, there were some live shows that were very, very ambitious at Venice. Live shows in VR that are an hour and change. I think it's just, it's asking a lot of the audience to stay focused and immersed for that long in your headset.
0: Yeah, yeah. And particularly because the fidelity is, you know, the fidelity is is not necessarily what you might want. Uh, you know for for someone being in that space for a very, very long time, um, I know that I know I did I did one of those, and it's I mean the biggest I'll just come out and say like the biggest problem uh I had with the one that I did was actually just how clunky the UI in in VR chat is
4: mm-hmm.
0: um, and and I get it, like VR chat has a lot of strengths it's all about the avatars it's all about just how much freedom the creators have to build stuff there's some really ambitious stuff that's going to be at Raindance that are made by indie teams working in vr chat um there's there's a lot to recommend it the ui is not one of the things to recommend it the ui is uh you know, it's like a love letter to Winamp. At least it is on the on the Quest. Uh, I feel like you know I should be able to download a skin to like make it look like uh, a member of the Red Hot Chili Peppers' head or something like that. Like, there's just so many knobs and switches that uh, you know people spent. You know, you had the, the the performer spending time explaining to people over and over how to use the thing as opposed to just being there. And if the goal is, is to replicate presence, then the Chrome's really got to get out of the way. And so that was just, and, and there were these moments in the show where I couldn't tell if the story was off the rails because the narrative was supposed to be off the rails or if the story was off the rails because something went wrong with the system. And that's just frustrating uh it, it's it's I feel it's frustrating on behalf of the creators. It's definitely very frustrating as a participant, uh, particularly when you know it it doesn't have to be that way. Um, and that there are there are alternatives to to having that experience happen. Um,
1: well, and I wonder, because in reading. Uh, reading and listening to Catherine's experiences about attending Venice VR Expanded, how much of that is also the experience puts the audience member to be on all the time, right? Like, you know, you're, you are a role, you're actively doing something, you need to stay focused, you need to do X, you need to do Y, you need to jump through these objectives. And I wonder how much of that might play into it as well as kind of that fatigue Is It's like you just keep going and going where other kind of, the more collective I've noticed VR experiences, and I'm relatively new to like taking part of these experiences, is the more collective it is, it feels, I feel more relaxed that I'm not always on, that someone else might call or want to jump in to take part of the experience or be the one in the spotlight rather than having to be the sole focus or integral to the experience the entire time.
3: Yeah, yeah. And I um I kind of alluded to um this in my write-up where um all of us, like 10 or 12 of us as members of the Greek chorus, were supposed to be chanting in unison and due to sync and lag and be you know, oh I'm on mute, okay, I have to unmute myself. Like we were the weakest Greek chorus of all time. Like no one was talking at the same time. We were not, it just it it just didn't feel right. And it kind of reminded me of some of the people that try to do um, like a call and response or actor speaking in unison on Zoom, and how that also doesn't work, and so you kind of have to like route around that in different ways. But just yeah, the the concept yeah. of a Greek chorus is you're supposed to chant together, and we just could not get it together.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, and just you know, since we breached it, uh, you know, we're talking about uh, finding Pandora X, which which won one of the three awards uh, for Venice this year, awarded uh, by the jury. And like, I mean, I think I, I thought that they had they had good bones in terms of you know what they were aiming to do uh, with the idea of branching paths and separate scenes and, and all this stuff. But the the tools they had to work with this, in my experience, like this, they kept on fighting to the point where I nearly missed it because I I went in and was trying to like, you know, the way, anyway, it's gets a little too technical, just, it was hard to connect in just from a, from a technical standpoint. And when it's hard to connect in from a technical standpoint, that next layer of connecting in on an emotional level, on a narrative level, on an agency level, so that you start getting presence um is hard. And given the experience that you know i had had just a few days before and i think some some of some of others of us here had a few days before of you know blackrock city vr on, on altspace for burning man uh which felt, and and granted we're talking about you know altspace which has microsoft's money to throw at problems and vr chat which is an independent team i mean it is it is beyond apples and oranges it's apple and, <laughs> and orange, right? Like the, the scale is is very different. But that emphasis in just, you know, just, just when, when the system's not fighting you, you can relax into feeling like you're there, even if all of the visual stuff isn't high fidelity. And I, I keep on seeing people make the choice to push for unreal level assets, push for, uh, you know, greater graphical fidelity, uh, you know, uh, get it better, 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 all that. Whereas it's, it's the physics and it's the social and how easy the social tools are, how well you're able to be grounded with each other that I think makes the difference for virtual reality. Um,
3: yeah, and you don't have to be a human or a human-like looking avatar. In fact, some of the avatar choices, you know, the uncanny valley of some of the characters started to bother me after a while that I, I didn't really want to look at them too much. Um, and then to your point and Patrick's point earlier, uh, something that live immersive theater is really good at is if you have to say or do something, like a super a skilled actor can kind of coax you into doing the right thing without being explicitly like, I am going to lead you to the answer and I'm going to tell you what to say. And a lot of these pieces that I've been doing in VR are a lot more blunt. Like, I'm going to tell you what to say. I'm essentially like, wink, wink, over here. Come get this thing. And so there's that aspect of it where it just it doesn't feel like it's necessarily your choice to do it.
0: Yeah. Well, and I know I had the experience in in Pandora of, you know we i think there were a, a number of people in there who uh definitely had never been inside you know VR chat more than once or twice and didn't really seem like they were comfortable in a gaming environment uh because oh my god like i just not only did i manage to like you know go into the second scene and like i find there's a grappling hook gun not only am i finding it and using it pretty much as soon as they say i've already i've already picked it up by the time they say we need it And by the time I say, you need to get over there, I'm like, cool. And I just aim and start trying to like do the thing. And then I fail out completely, but I know enough of my way around the system that I'm able to respawn myself. And I'm just, I'm just back at it. And just like, and, and one of the actors is, you know, at one point, like, you know, looks at me, sees, sees that I failed at something and is like, starts coming to go save me, but I've already saved myself. I'm already moving on. And you know, I'm already finding this stuff. And and probably was maybe being like that problematic player at a certain point because there was so much cat herding going on. And 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 that's that's one of those things where that's that's an authentic immersive theater experience, <laughs> actually. Cause like it makes me flash back to like going to my first illusion and like walking into a room and like no one wants to trigger like the puzzle thing. And it's like just stick your hand right there. No one, no one wants to stick their hand in the hole. Okay, okay, really? I'll, I'll do it. Fine. And uh, and getting people to go on that way. So like, that's not. It's not. That's not necessarily a failure of VR, but it's it's one of those things that you see first time immersive creators often struggling with. So I guess, yay, we're there.
3: Yay. I mean, yay, we've it- made it. If you talk to any game designer or really anyone who does like usability testing or user research, right? There's the learning curve of the participant and letting them fumble around a little and then they get their bearings and then you see the the look in their eyes when they get it and then they start fucking around and it is amazing. And for a lot of these shows, I felt like I was on such a strict timetable. I couldn't look around, I couldn't just mess around and I had to go do the thing because the thing was what the story needed, and so mm. what I really appreciate in something like Adventure Labs, Dr. Crumb's School for Disobedient Pets is the the actor leaves you alone a lot, like especially they've got this like kind of lumper room tutorial level. And if you know if one of your friends is having trouble and you go off onto the other room, like the, the other side of the room and you're just messing around and shooting things with your laser gun, that's fun. And you get to learn the UI and it doesn't mess up the story because they gave you that space. Same thing with the underpresents Tempest. Like there's at least one scene where you are just messing around with the other players for a while, and it takes a moment for the actor to come back and help propel the story forward. But in that moment, when you're you know, picking up random fruit tarts and tossing a turkey leg around like it's really fun, and you're get you're getting like a little bit more comfortable with the uh, interaction design there so yeah w- you know well, so there's so much content they try to put into like a tiny bag sometimes
0: well well, and that's I mean what's interesting here is that you know normally with a festival, you do have that limited amount of time, but we are talking about some experiences that were. know the better part of an hour or stretch stretch to fill the hour and there's something to be said for make sure that you've got time for people to just get comfortable give them room to breathe if you're going to go that long and if you're if you're doing something that's fast turnover then you know really thinking about the moments um and and you know, like festival work you grade it mentally at a different scale from a project like The Under or from a project like Dr. Crumbs because, you know, they're they're more, you know, still not not Microsoft level resources, but they've still got more resources to burn. They've still got time uh, to and they're they're working on a commercial project product as well. Uh, and festival's work is often someone pursuing a creative idea and noodling on something and, and trying to see what works and breaks. But as we build up the overall grammar and language, um, taking that time to, to breathe, uh, and, and give a moment for folks, I think is really important. And one of the things I liked about the six stuff I was seeing, um, was that, that, that seemed to be really baked in. There was one piece, um, a taste of hunger, I think it was called. I was trying to find it, but like it's already, you know, disappeared from from my app again because they're good at that. Um
3: of offsuit, a taste yeah. of hunger.
0: And and that one was kind of fascinating, and I'm sad that it like it disappeared out of my library because um it was, you know, this photogrammetry, uh volume like a volumetrically captured spaces and performances where they let the artifacting of that process like became a feature, not a bug. And then the you moved through the space and that triggered both different scenes but also rewound or moved the scene forward or fast-forwarded the scene. So it, it became this metaphor of space and memory and
3: yeah, it, was, it was a memory palace and the yeah. the, rend- the rendering looked like the way that uh things shatter in super hot yeah but you could tell it was like oh they've they've like motion captured this man and woman and like they're obviously a couple and things are not right in their relationship and you just kind of like you know your your interface your controller is your body because you're on this like giant dial and depending on where you yeah. are on the dial as you walk around you get different memories
0: and you try and figure out the relationship with the different parts of the dial. Like it was kind of endlessly fascinating. I did not have nearly enough time with it and look forward to when it's like available again so I can have more time with it. Uh, and, and honestly when I would have a bigger space to move around it, because like that was, that was my one major frustration was like playing in the living room and like
3: yep. you know,
0: <laughs> you know, running into things and God, like, ah, now I've got to use the thumbstick and like, and and I thought it was so beautiful, but again, of course, they were not planning this thing to be being played by people. Like I can imagine, can you imagine the installation for this one? Because mm-hmm, I can,
3: mm-hmm.
0: right? Yeah. It's the same thing, with Queer the <laughs> same thing happened
3: with Queerskins. The same thing happened with Vajont. Like that, it was supposed to be a real life actor, not a you know pre-rendered thing. And then uh, Brandon told me that Queerskins was like can can expand and the dancers change position if you've got a thirty foot by thirty foot space. But I actually oh, had a little wow. menu option that was like, choose the size of your space. And I was like, oh, thank you! Wow, nice. you are dynamically changing the way your app works because you know people's living rooms are small. But also, I want to see these dancers in a 30-foot space. You know?
0: Yeah, yeah. And I wanna, I wanna run that, uh, that taste of hunger in a, in a big space. And I can, I can imagine like there's a room and like the, the glyph inside VR is actually etched on the floor. You know, it's it's pretty obvious what to do as an installation piece for it, but it is nice that these pieces can come home at the same time, Um, which actually makes a good pivot point because like there's not one but two more festivals coming up in the next few weeks that are going to have a lot of accessible VR.
3: Yeah, it's great that so much content is available for free. I mean, this festival stuff is not. A almost everything that makes it to the Oculus store for a quest, like they are optimizing the hell out of that. So if you just have a quest, it's going to be difficult for you to attend some of these festivals, with the artier pieces that have the huge downloads that require that PC, but everything on Viveport for Venice was free. And I believe a, a huge chunk of Raindance is going to be free as well.
0: And uh, VIFF, uh, which mm-hmm. is first. So VIFF starts... Uh, so that's uh, Vancouver International Film Festival. Uh, their VR program starts, I believe, on the t- September 28th, I want to say, uh, and goes into the first week of October. Uh, and then Rain Dance is going to be on the back end of October. Um, and so both are going to have... V- yeah,
3: V-I-F-F mm-hmm. is going to be on its own platform, V-I-F-F Connect. September 24th to October 7th. And then Raindance is going to be spread across different platforms, very similar to Venice.
0: So here's the, the actually here's the catch with that BIFF connect. So uh, Venice, not Venice, <laughs> all these, all these V's. <laughs> I know. Uh, Vancouver, uh, I think it may just VFF. Ah, there's too many V's. Vancouver Film Festival is going to be uh, like the films are going to be on that connect platform and locked, and there's going to be some stuff, like some of the panels and whatnot, are going to be uh, not region locked, but available, and you can watch on that. But then all of the VR stuff is indeed going to be like everything else across multiple platforms. So there's going to be Viveport, there's going to be Oculus, there's going to be uh, a, a May. Like
4: it's
0: it's in the show notes. There's a lot. Uh, And, and this is, this is probably like the one troublesome thing about all of these is that, you know, depending on what platform it was built on is what device slash platform you'll need to be reaching out and using. Um, But all of the, I think all of the uh, three DOF VR, three, all the three DOF video, all of the 360 video will be on YouTube. So, if you don't uh for at least for Vancouver, so if you don't have um if you don't have that, if you don't have a headset, you'll be able to still check out the three sixty video stuff, which is nice, and then Raindance has um a pretty aggressive uh collection of stuff um,
3: yeah, some of it has shown of course already at stuff like um There's going to be a couple repeats from Venice, from Cannes, from Tribeca. So this will be a good chance to catch it if you didn't catch it there. Um, So I know there's um, Baba Yaga is showing there, as is Dr. Crumbs and Tempest, as well as um, Paperbirds, which was another one of the Oculus-only Venice pieces. And then Scarecrow has somehow, um, I know you and Will saw it at Sundance, and they have redone it. So you can actually do it remotely now, which I am fascinated. Like about that pivot.
0: Yeah, Will, what do you think about that? About a scarecrow that's probably actorless.
2: Well, is it actorless or uh, in your personal space actorless?
0: That's going to be the question, right? Cause... It says
3: live actor, up to three players in VR Ooh. chat and PC VR.
2: Okay, interesting. So, All right. so the way yeah. it seems, which is pretty impressive, is they're going to still take and i love this and i've seen it in vr chat you have the ability to use the entire uh, valve index system uh and the htc vive we call it a puck system but the tracker system to implement a full uh full hands and fingers torso feet uh you name it every like 6 point body tracking and I've seen it in VR chat. It is impressive. So what this actually mm. allows them to do is pretty much the same type of show as a non-contact show. That does get rid of the really nice feature they had in Scarecrow uh, when we were at Sundance that involved a temperature emitter that was really interesting to do uh, heat and cold. Uh, it was a minor touch. I, I think it's not required to make the project really shine. Yeah. Um, I think it'll be very similar to the original. I think they're going to try and bring it so more than one person come in. It'll feel a little less personal but i think it's still going to have that same kind of heart and it's going to be a lot closer to what you'd find in the under presents where it is one actor to many but it still gives a little bit of that love and attention uh we're going to see though i'm intrigued about the social dynamics of this one because when you're one-on-one with the scarecrow in the original version you felt more forgiving to yourself you felt more open the ability to express yourself um that may not happen when you're in a group of two or three others
0: yeah Now, this is this is one of the questions of the form right like what how much can we preserve that intimacy and what happens when someone's called upon not to have a, a authentic reaction reaction just for them but is having a reaction in front of other people you know like is becoming a co-performer uh yeah i mean that's that's a a slight thing from one point of view oh we just added a person but psychologically it's huge it's massive it, massive goal
2: it's it's gonna change the emotional weight of the project i think unless they find a way to really bring it into an all together scenario and that's a lot harder to do in that same amount of time so i am fascinated i highly encourage them i think they're gonna do a great job but i will say that if they don't Anticipate a change of the piece tonally, ever so slightly, to accommodate a group. Then it may felt a bit, it might feel a bit lost uh, in some ways. But I, I do have hope. I think they'll do a great job.
1: Fantastic. Yeah, and, well, I think that. Yeah.
3: Sorry, go ahead.
1: Thank you. No, don't worry. No worries. Uh, so I always think, speaking to that, I think that's like a great example because in like the under percents with the tempest, I've done that several times now, and the makeup of both who's done it before versus those who have just simply played the under percents versus those who are the... This is the first time they're doing anything in VR or the under percents Dramatically changes that experience in that one-hour performance. So really being mindful of that. Because I would say I've had deeply moving experiences helping... Because there was one experience, a time I saw The Tempest, where it was just me, the actor and one other participant and that other oh, participant was yeah. completely new oh, like got they, a baby. they they were a baby like they were having trouble doing magic and you know moving around and things like that so to be involved with the performer because i had my mask that denoted that i had already even done the tempest so they knew that i was aware of what's going on so to be really involved with that person created such a unique new experience to seeing that show so like, I wonder how that'll affect Scarecrow uh, because I'm sure there'll be lots of people who are probably jumping into not only that experience the first time like me, but then are completely new to VR and how that always changes it.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think, I think one, I think we definitely saw some of that at Venice, but on the flip, at least in theory, if people are attending this stuff, um, they're, they're usually a little bit initiated because we all have to have our own equipment
4: now
3: and it is um, a pain in the butt to actually like download and install <laughs> all of the but, little bits and pieces of vive port and vr chat's native app and this other thing and oh yeah you gotta get to the direct url to the vr chat room oh no it's, the stop stop like seriously
0: literally don't don't even <laughs> don't don't take us through it it's too painful to think about um <laughs>
3: I will Um, say that um, The Tempest is currently having a sale from September 18th to 30th. They've dropped the price to $8.99 as a celebration of the end of the run. So if you've been putting off getting in for the first time or if you want to squeeze in another one before it's over, you best do that soon.
4: While we're talking about prices and sales
0: and things being available for sale, before we talk about the big way,
2: 10 out of 10 segue.
0: Yeah. Before we we talk about uh, the thing that was announced this week and pre-ordered, I'm just going to complain for a second about scalpers and bots. To hell with scalpers and bots. I woke up uh, at an ungodly hour this morning, uh, which is an hour earlier than I have been waking up, which was already ungodly enough. Try and do the NVIDIA 3080 uh, on sale. And, of course, knowing full well it was probably going to be a shit show. uh it was a shit show this morning. and then, as the news rolled in for the day, it appears to be a, a largely a shit show because uh, a bunch of bots got in and were doing things like buying forty um forty video cards um, Dear god at once uh bots that were uh that are part of services that for like seventy five dollars a month will uh, we'll get in on these online things. So what it is, it's the very same tools that people use for like online shoes and toy hunting, uh, applied to uh, the new Nvidia cards that dropped today, uh, which are are not cheap. Um, and indeed, I was planning on making the investment of building uh, a PC uh to that would stand the test of time uh by investing in one of these cards and uh that's, that's not gonna happen so i'm not gonna be doing any pcvr probably for the rest of this fall and that's throwing things into question and even throws into question uh why i i put money down on a uh a quest two uh which i did this week thinking Wait, that
3: did, did we all do that i know i did
0: uh, will oh. you did
1: Yes, I'm, I I did too as well. I all, I, four, I, I of just total all four of us I yep. am guilty
2: yeah. of that mistake. And I call it a mistake because I did it so quickly because of the feeling that it would run out. And it actually is true <laughs> uh, right after it did. Oculus Connect ended. It is now on uh, back order for a couple weeks after the original release, which is good news for Facebook. It's a good news uh, piece for the demand of VR to show that there is a boom for it. It shows that regardless of how certain public opinion is of Facebook, that VR still stands as an industry that still wants to grow and wants to improve. But yeah, now we can get into it if you want to. No, yeah, I, no, well, I think I think, <laughs> I think we're I think we're I think we're there,
0: right? You know, um, yeah. I mean, it's. So I don't I don't want us to do necessarily like the this is not a tech podcast so we're not going to talk about the tech specs. Uh, with with I think one exception which is about the the difference structurally between uh well there, there's a layer there's a business layer to here to this about the way it's kind of like a console and it's kind of like a phone at the same time in terms of how they're approaching this and I'd love to unpack that. But I think the thing we got we need to uh I don't think we're going to fully unpack this, but the thing we need to unlace the conversation that the elephant in the room that must be acknowledged uh, that will just alluded to uh, about the public feelings about facebook there's there's an there's an active question here um and it's a legitimate one, and it's one I struggle with uh because you know we're in the middle of a news cycle right now where uh face the the, the the inability, or the un- and seemingly at times unwillingness of Facebook to address the problems it creates for civil society, um, uh, draw into question, you know, doing business with that company. And as someone who believes in uh, the power of virtual reality and, and the future of it, and who sees that the only company only company actively making consumer aimed vr is facebook um oh man is is the dissonance strong with this so i i kind of wonder where everyone's head is on this one because i'm uh i gotta say like after i failed to get the card this morning i was like do i just cancel my pre-order because what's the point You know, and the nice thing about a successful pre-order is like, I got some time to consider this, you know, before a good time until it ships. And I'm, I'm, I'm debating, um, because the, the leap forward, uh, there's some significant leaps forward they've made in this, in this device. Um, but at the same time, this, uh, Facebook is, you know, locking the Facebook experience to Oculus in a way that it hasn't before. Um, they're, they're, They've laid out what their vision of a connected, augmented reality is, and the the success of Oculus feeds into Facebook Reality. And on one level, everything they talk about and the degree to which they talk about uh, thinking about, you know, data privacy and privacy is um, they're aware of the issue. And at Facebook Connect yesterday, we record this day afterwards. Um, I saw you know pretty fairly solid talks about diversity uh inside development in order how and how that impacts you know both the the corporate culture and also who gets to play the games and who's playing the stuff and 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 who the audience for it is and you know you want to reflect the world and who's making your stuff all that is the right stuff and yet on the macro level we get stories like in Bloomberg Business this this week about the policy shop there and how much it's tied, you know, to the GOP, and stories like coming out of the engineers who are, um, you know, resigning from the from the content side of the Facebook quad, the actual Facebook, not not Oculus, not Instagram, but like Facebook, the thing that is ubiquitous. And, and that's that's these just here, like it's a ubiquitous company. Like Facebook wants to be all things to all people. And in so doing,
4: it's in places it probably doesn't belong. Just in. Well, in, I was, in.
1: Yeah, because I, I right off that because I was talking with Spencer Williams uh, uh, here on the Discord earlier today, and a hypothesis that we kind of worked up in bouncing around ideas about it is I because I, we also I think another element to kind of point out is that. PlayStation also had their rollout of the PS5 at the same time, on the same day. So like clearly console wars 2020 is a, a you know, it's a full battle and war going on right now. So I wonder is this for lack of a better word Facebook's ingenious move to like get off the social media platform and to maybe reinvent itself and reestablish itself in a different form of technology and a new medium to get us off. You guys are definitely more in touch with that than I am, but I, that was kind of maybe a thought I had is that to get away from what they've been known for and whether they leave that behind or not, who's, who's to say, but to reinvest in like, you know, like Apple going from computers to phones and things like that.
2: That's actually an excellent point. And in some ways, Facebook has kind of positioned itself. Um, I saw a really, really good argument the other day about why, and this it definitely goes away from from immersive work, but it is helpful to understand that they they are pushing themselves to try and be beyond a social media company because I think even they know that social media on the web in its current form is a bit behind and, and troublesome. So what they're working on, what they say, what people say about them joining in and taking an oculus's name and then crushing it underneath the Facebook logo is not entirely they want to get rid of Oculus and its tumultuous history in some ways or it's 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 more like if Facebook ever came across an antitrust the more Oculus is folded underneath them and within their systems, the less likely it is. Someone will tell them to take it away as a, a monopolization problem and split up the company. So they're like, Oh yeah, Oculus, that's a separate division. Take that out of there. That doesn't belong. Like when Facebook, if Facebook ever has to get broken up, then they didn't want to make it less easy for government and agencies to be able to find ways to split them because they made that acquisition. It was important. It is the future. That I think they want the company to go is as a, platform they will always want to be a platform an environment uh for others to meet and to engage and the money comes from things around that like I think they would rather become the apple or the uh the valve of of a platform like that where they don't make their money on ads anymore they make it on a share of all the apps that are sold on their platform I think they find that is a lot safer and has a lot less um sticky issues with it the problem is that trying to manage their already disastrous area on one side and trying to take on this new one means things get caught in the
4: crossfire. Catherine, let's move it over to you. I, uh,
3: this is so hard because I am in school right now. And I know that Facebook via Oculus has hired people coming out of my program. They are the only ones funneling money into weird stuff. And they are acquiring game studios and they are hiring in the VR space. And it's just something about the fact that, like, I have, I got a gaming PC, I got Unity, I got a Link, and I got a Quest. That's all I need to make a VR game. Like, that to me is amazing and magical, but also kind of like hurts my soul a little when I see everything else that's happening in terms of the social media part of Facebook but you cannot deny that it is an amazing product and it's going to be a lot of people's entry point into VR and you can literally play beat saber or the room or hop into alt space or whatever anywhere you go right like people take selfies of them doing it on like you know in the before times, they would play Beat Saber on a plane or a train. Like if I wanted to show my professor my work-in-progress VR game, I just had to put the headset in a case and bring it with me to school. Like that is so powerful. And so I myself, as someone who's a game designer and developer, am super tied to the platform, but I have mixed feelings about the everything else.
2: <laughs> that's that's okay. And again, their developer platform is one of the best I've ever seen. I thoroughly enjoy it. I do not want to develop for any other platform if I was making VR. So you're definitely right on that front.
0: Well, here's, and here's where things get, I think, w- really messy. So to go back to this idea that Facebook wants to be ubiquitous, I think, Will, you hit on something good in terms of this idea of, you know, antitrust. I look at Facebook and I see a company that wants to be AT&T without ever having to go through a Ma Bell breakup. Uh, famously, of course, AT&T, for those of you who, and this is almost for me as well, for those of you who weren't around a few decades ago.
3: Please uh, explain it to the kids. Uh, i
2: sorry, where in this is Fortnite? I don't know, is what this on the Fortnite creative island? Is this there one for AT&T?
0: I think there is, yeah. It's all, it's all about 5G. Uh, once upon a time, uh, AT&T was nicknamed Ma Bell. Because there were all of these, there was Bell, you know, every phone was a Bell. It was functionally a national monopoly. Long distance in the United States was functionally a monopoly. Um, it was AT&T or nothing. And then like in the late 70s, early 80s, they broke up Ma Bell. And suddenly there were all of the baby Bells. And so, you know, there was, there was just a lot of regional phone companies and it confused the hell out of everybody and led to today when there's all of the different cell phone carriers and everything's garbage. And now slowly, but surely everything's moving back up to where there's only a few cell phone carriers. Um, And at the same time, AT&T like buys Warner brothers and infamously, you know, like, like just gobbles all this stuff up as things go. Here's Facebook, and they want to own the full stack, right? Like they, There's never a piece of communications technology, right? I think that's the thing to focus on, communications technology. Mark Zuckerberg spent $2 billion on Oculus because he couldn't make a phone that could beat the iPhone. So he was like, we're not going to fight on phones anymore. And remember, they were making their
4: own phone for a while. They knew they couldn't beat iPhone and they couldn't withstand the strength of the Android platform. Like,
0: that's it. There's nothing else. Microsoft couldn't. No one can. Those are your two choices, right? Apples or bananas going forward forever. So they wisely, from a business standpoint, picked the next computing platform. And that's the kind of phrase that he uses, the next computing platform and decided to buy the best of breed and get out ahead. They well, want they want to be inside every communication exchange that anyone has. And they also don't really want anyone getting between them and the customer.
4: And that includes any kind of regulation.
1: Yeah, and I would just say also, I think the other... The other thing I think the success of, you know, maybe acquiring Oculus and looking to the future is is looking at the game industry at whole and this whole PlayStation versus Xbox thing. And talk about do you want an Apple or do you want an Apple at this point? Like they there used to be a great difference between those two platforms, but now it's I feel very much it's the same side of the coin. So this opportunity that to put all in for Oculus and create. A new way of, you know, innovating home entertainment, video games, and all that, is really key because I did the um, presentation in my, in my Oculus Quest headset, and you know, it's like, you know, there's over ten thousand people there at the start, and then the color commentary starts when all the game trailer starts, and they're all like, "Oh, this, you know, I'm excited for this. Oh, that looks awesome." People are thrilled about Star Wars. I am too, but. That's where a lot of people come, and then an hour later when they're into the tech stuff or showcasing diversity uh, developers, and Samantha Gorman's there talking about the stuff the under do, it's barely a, over a thousand people watching, you know? So I feel like it's a, a niche into, a, it's a, they found the crack in the armor to get into an industry of the video games where it's just become so stale. To try to get consumers to buy things. Well,
0: Apparently. I think there's still. I mean, Will can probably talk to this a little bit more. Like, there's still an uphill climb for them to get. Like, they've they've settled on gaming as being the thing to get the platform. Part of that's because they're really behind on the social VR side. Like, sort of shockingly behind uh, on that. Like the the venues beta that that was unleashed for uh, for this week's event. Is a, a nice step forward from where they were, but it's even behind it's behind the curve of alt space by you know a couple of years, I would say at this point. And maybe, maybe Horizon, which I haven't gotten to play with yet, will be a significant jump forward. Uh, but it's still kind of just deeply strange that there isn't a uh, there isn't the equivalent of, you know, iMessage on the phone for. Oculus. There isn't like a spatial um, hangout space, even for just a few people, specifically because the go shipped with with the room set up. So you had a little space you could invite people over. Like Kara and I would take meetings on our goes with each other while playing Reversi or Yahtzee. No. Right? Like we could we could do that. And that was that was at launch. And then fast forward one year later, that features cut fast forward to you know another year after that it's still not here yet will you spend a lot of time doing social vr
2: plenty but i know i feel like uh catherine are you are you holding out on saying something cuz i don't want to steal the thunder if you've got a thought
3: well one of my best friends who still lives in the new york area um here are the two places that we hang out because vr chat was too much for us uh kingspray graffiti so we like tag up a subway car together or new york um the, the what's that 11 tabletop tennis like it was actually easier to meet up in that game than it was to like try to make a private room in an actual social app i'm sorry
2: no that's that's fair that is an excellent point is that we've encountered interesting ways that social vr is set up and that vr chat uh worlds are infinite it circles around people and it's meant it was designed from the ground up to be that you could roll with somebody and meet them in a random public space and then follow as groups go between public spaces using people as connections that is an intuitive for small uh one-on-one conversations or little conversations here and there with small groups that are friends that are know each other and want a closed off uh, personal moment and that's why kingspray and uh all these table tennis games and spark any other thing and that's an activity that locks it into just two or three people it was immensely popular and facebook spaces actually had a lot of really good features to it it was just locked to a platform that was a bit uh, outdated on the go brilliant as a concept because it finally took advantage of the facebook messenger system which is already very rooted and a lot of people do use that is also in tied uh, with, uh, Instagram messages and WeChat and all these other things that honestly, it's not hard. And you can see Facebook is doing it now. They're starting to integrate the messenger platform in to the Oculus venue system. I think they just needed to make a better home for it using the quest as a baseline because the Oculus go wasn't good enough for them to do the features they wanted. And they would decide to start from scratch, totally guessing, but that's kind of where it seems it's coming from.
4: Yeah. It, and yet at the same time you know we still have this problem of
0: just how badly the, the 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 commons the pseudo commons that is facebook the social media uh platform is um and you know they've got they've got the tendency uh, like you know with a lot of companies that fear regulation they're they're very friendly to you know whoever the 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 folks in power are i think they probably learned a lot of you know hard lessons and in a negative sense in terms of like trying to get into china and finding that they couldn't uh because the chinese market is is the chinese market is very good at keeping western tech companies out while exporting their products uh, you know tiktok being a big example like i didn't i don't watch a lot of cable or any broadcast television so i don't see a lot of tv ads i was in a doctor's office earlier this week the food network was on thank god chopped was on maybe this year isn't absolutely terrible and the the heavy rotation commercial was for tiktok and that just didn't completely boggle me cuz i know that tech companies do that and social media companies do that but you know, there's there's a there's a big push behind these companies and these platforms, uh, and who owns the platform gets to kind of dictate the terms of the conversation. And we are in a cultural moment where, you know, I don't like to quote Kanye anymore, but <laughs> no one
4: man should have all that power. And, uh, hear, hear. You, fa- Facebook scares the shit out of me as as a company um Mm.
0: Mm. actually yes yeah the 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 publisher platform side the the social media side because it's funny because in in its role as shepherd of oculus and in its role even uh up until the past couple months like instagram tended to be like not so bad Although their new algorithmic nonsense is absolutely stupid, like remove that, please. Uh, here's a bunch of stuff from people you don't know. We don't care. Um, but again, they're chasing. They're trying to be TikTok, so of course they're going to do that. But as as a as the central thing, uh, God, it's such a it's so hard. It's so hard to maintain excitement, knowing what grander ecosystem it gets plugged into. And particularly because if my excitement over the
4: hardware and the experiences wasn't so intense, I would not have any
0: conflict. I would not feel any conflict whatsoever. I would treat Facebook as a necessary evil as a publisher. You know, I'd be like, well, we kind of got to be here because audiences are here and you're sort of stuck, but I'll be damned if I give them any money because I'm not paying to talk to my, the audience that selects to follow me. Like I've never liked that, but I I think that's a, as a scam. Um, but they do put the resources and have grown this side of things, but you know, who's Facebook going to be in two years? in three years, and four years. Um, you know, there's, you know, what is America going to be? What's the global market going to be? There's these very, very large questions. And I, I don't, I don't see the company grappling with it in a way that is suggestive that there's going to be real progress right now. I see a lot of, I see a lot of them trying to like control spin
4: and like Get rid of the squeaky wheels, and it just concerns me. uh I know that, you know. I will
0: probably and you know someone right now is like you're being a hypocrite. Like sure, yeah, I'll, I'll wear that one for this one. I will probably not wind up canceling my quest to pre-order on the assumption that I'll still be able to use it as a monitor for a PC VR, you know, going forward, and a decent one at that. <laughs> like like the like the, like the best the best one you can get for the price. Um, and then... That link cable. Yeah. And then oh, let's the order's in. Um, and then, you know, given that they're on a... Uh, they're, they're on a year-over-year hardware cycle right now. And I don't see that changing. I don't see them... I don't see them not releasing a Quest 3 next year uh, unless the global market is so terrible that... That kind of advance because it feels like it feels like the iPhone right now. It feels like we got the new kit, we got the new kit, we're going to advance it, and that the collection of software is going to drift. So we still see, like, oh, you bought this for quest one, it's still going to play on quest three. This game out for quest three, you can you can play it on quest one, but it kind of is gonna suck a little bit. And that's the paradigm we're gonna be in for this thing. It's gonna be the the mobile phone game paradigm. Um So, you know, I can take a buy on Q4 and on Q3, Q3. on Quest 3. Yeah, I can take a buy on Quest 3. Save the
3: shekels for Quest 4.
0: Yeah. And yeah, save the shekels for Quest 4 and see, you know, who does, who is Facebook mature into? You know, are they, are they, you know, know, still running a a one-sided policy shop? Are they still you know, making an absolute hash out of, you know, civil societies, then, you know, it's not, you know, not going to be worth it. By then, by then Apple will be, you know, if, if the market is healthy enough, Apple will enter it uh, and maybe Microsoft will figure out what it is they're actually trying to do with their mixed reality headsets, <laughs> which I wish wow. they would figure out.
2: Well, this is going to be an interesting time because at this point now, and we've definitely just continued on this conversation on Facebook, so uh, I apologize, (laughs) but at this point now it's a race because what's happening is Facebook is going, we're going to build a headset that runs mobile and you can connect it to your PC and we're going to improve the PC connection so that it doesn't matter uh, whether you have a PC or not. What this means for someone like Valve or for Apple this is now a race to the hardcore gamer market that got Oculus going and saying, hey, you guys are the gamers that sat outside of Best Buy waiting for a 3080 that isn't there. Whoops. Uh, but you are our market. Like Gabe Newell over at Valve is like, well, I know my market. I know what Valve, uh, the hardware uh, survey is a fascinating thing to study. Those people may want that quest too but they know full well what the disadvantages are of it as opposed to a native pc thing so someone's going to try and fill that gap someone wants to make headsets that are going to be that level vario may come out of the blue here they might get acquired they might come up with something new i've tried their tech it is good they're is a market for pc for things like our festivals for things like very high-end experiences for intense gamers who love elite dangerous uh we can't ignore that as a a market and if i was to make an, an experience like chained uh or even anything for sundance i would want that highest end pc system regardless of how nice a quest is because i want to really have the highest fidelity possible so we can't discount that yet
0: well and that's and that's thinking like a and, and there's nothing wrong with it that's thinking like an lbe um you know provider right you know it's coming and, back
2: boys lbe is coming back I swear. oh yeah no
0: no and like and, and, when and when it's safe to gather again you know i i don't think we have not stressed tested that market fully right like we're we're barely in there and and that that i can tell you with absolute certainty but i think that something you said there about, you know, like the gamers are going to want the PC market and like Apple's got to go in there. Apple doesn't give a flying fig about gamers. Like they, they, they never have, they never will. They see you. Know, Apple arcade is their way of trying to get some quality control on the absolute, just garbage heap of bad game apps that exist on the app store. And it's a good attempt because they're very interested in how much money casual games can make for them, and everything that they're doing with what they call simulated reality is is trying to race to exactly where Facebook wants to go with it. With everything that the the really good interesting part of of yesterday's uh, talk with with Michael Abrash, Abrash, how does he say Abrash? Abrash. Abrash. Michael Abrash, I don't hear it all that often. I only read it. Um, so Abrash was talking, and and that vision they laid out, uh, you know, that kind of metaversal, you know, there's a data layer. You know, we've heard that kind of talk before from you know places like Magic Leap, but I've never heard it with a degree of fidelity and confidence in terms of talking about what it is they got to pull off and kind of a why you want to pull it off like what you gain from that. And the thing is, Apple for them, you know, the watch is the first step into that that sort of tying tech to physical space. And that relationship of coming up with of of digital objects inside of a simulated reality that ties in to our physical reality, that that augmented reality line, that's what they want to own. But you're not going to wow anybody if you can't do some of the VR stuff. And the the wild card player here is, you see the kind of stuff that's going on with the mixed reality things that Microsoft is doing, The experiments in alt space, uh, the experiments during BlackRock City of like people being brought into VR space as holograms while they were wearing Holo lenses so they could see the avatars. That blending of the line. And there's a there's a shot here, particularly right the way the the Microsoft hardware line is going, for them to do something if they want if they want to own that PC gamer space with the VR. I think they've got a shot at it. But Apple, who are going to be the 900 pound gorilla when they finally decide to like enter this market, you know, they're only going to care whether or not Angry Birds works. So it creates a little Angry Birds thing on your table. Like that's what they're
4: after. Maybe.
2: But considering Epic and Fortnite and all that craziness that happened the last few weeks, it's an interesting time to be in that field. Yeah. But that's the other thing.
0: But, but, but I think that's some of my, my evidence for why I, I know that Apple doesn't care about gamers. Because, you know, Fortnite being on iOS, you know, that matters to Epic. It doesn't matter to Apple. <laughs> they got two trillion in the bank. Like, that's, that's a, you know, that's nothing. That's Wendy's going after McDonald's, you know. It's like it's not the same. It's not the same. Um, we went, we <laughs> went on, we went on this one for for longer than I than I thought we were going wait, to. Wait, wait,
3: wait. I got, I got one last question, boys. Yeah,
4: yeah, yeah. Tell yeah. me about your strap. <laughs> okay, Kevin, right. you can't just ask somebody about their strap. Yeah.
0: Segway. Kevin, yeah, it... Cabinet. <laughs> Catherine's always keeping it clean here for us. Uh, Patrick, uh, what strap did you get? <laughs> did you did you I, upgrade your strap?
1: No, I am just I'm just a basic Joe. Just give me give Joe. me give me it right out of the package, and that's how I'll wear it.
4: Will, wow. which way are you going? Are they called elite? Did they use the word elite? They called it elite. They called oh, jeez, that's fine.
2: I got the elite. I didn't get the battery back because
4: that's just too much. Why, Catherine? What did you get?
3: I just ordered an elite as you were talking.
2: Ah! <laughs> nice.
0: <laughs> I uh, I went with the elite with the battery because uh, I've had the battery die on me uh, during uh, you know if I do something like play some games forget to plug it in then do supernatural don't like that uh so anytime you can put more battery juice into a device i'm going to be all about it and it also comes with the carrying case and i really like the carrying case as a way of just you know having a place for the damn thing to live and when you add when you take the when you add the the price of the carrying case and the elite strap up uh the battery's like what not much more. Thirty dollars so or something. It's like thirty
3: dollars. Yeah, it's so not terrible.
0: Yeah, like, eh, I'll
2: take the one with the battery. It's all in one. So they make their money on the case, is what you're saying. They make their money. <laughs> yeah, the
0: case is...
3: Like an inkjet printer.
0: No, the cases. But... The case is overpriced to say the least. So <laughs> it's a nice case though. Like I'll say We're this not much.
3: Anywhere? Yeah. Where are you going, Noah? Yeah. I you? got
0: it before. But in the before times, and you know what? But here's the thing: I literally just—it's what I store it in. I don't want it just sitting right, on the right, freaking right. table and getting all scuffed up. That way, it's how I, I hide the cameras. That way, I keep them from getting the sensors from getting too much light.
3: That's what. Do it comes you have like to. a piece of gaffer tape over each camera?
2: No, 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 no. I'm just—you made just, me just, cringe. Oh yeah. my god. Oh, I'm no, sorry, no, no. Will. I'm
3: sorry. I'm sorry. Okay, we, no, can, no. we can talk about something else now.
0: No, I just you put it you put it in the case so that like you're not burning the sensors out, but it's, like, the light's always in there, you know. Um, not that that's really that big of a deal, but like you know, it's like capping the lens on a on a camera, you just it's the thing you do. Um,
2: did they uh, did they mention the audio is better on the Quest Two? I didn't. No. I didn't get that. No, didn't talk about the audio at all. They're just like Logitech make headphones now, and I was like, neat, but the built-in audio is that is that is that better? Is that there was
1: there was mention of it but it was not impressive i do remember in the the commercial where apparently mark zuckerberg just plays you know echo vr with his his employees as natural (laughs) as he does every day um they did he he plays the robot
2: is is he playing a robot playing disc with his i'm sorry no i'm not disrespecting actually it's just horrible coincidence that's actually cool i haven't seen the commercial so it's probably nice to play echo well,
1: like, it wasn't like it was like a like it was them like it was part of like the presentation like it's just like a day in the life and this is that's hey you know while we're playing this why don't we make it 10 percent lighter and that's and, this, and that's like just like because they're just pontificating this while they're out on the racket court you know just like you know it'd be a great idea it just popped into my head randomly
4: well shoot why didn't we try that before? Darn. Yeah. It's uh
0: it's a thing. So um now now I'm wondering now I'm wondering if it's got the what the cause I I like a silly, silly, silly person, bought the um bought the earbuds, the oculus branded earbuds, because I was like, I wanna, you know, I was I knew that my housemate was gonna be coming back and I wanted to isolate my sound when I was doing supernatural because I didn't want to be cruel and I don't wanna wear big giant headphones while I'm sweating. Um, so I got them and I got to say, I'm like, like sound wise, they're great. They got a nice fit inside the ears. It is a thin wire and I am, I am not happy with the build. So I saw that like, oh, Logitech's making them now. I'm like, yeah, that makes sense <laughs> because who, whoever they, they got to do the, the, the in-house ones, they were not good, <laughs> bad, bad build quality on those. I don't expect them to last, uh, r- relative to what the price was. Not, not a fan. Um fan of the fan of the audio quality, no, not a, not a fan of the the wires. Um all right. We are going to take a short break uh and uh bring ourselves back so there'll be a little music sting an unusual thing for us and uh, then we're going to do uh, going to do probably like about another 20 minutes or so as we talk about some of the, the non vr stuff in our world be right back And we're back. Hope you enjoyed the break. I know we did. Uh, Our break was longer than yours, uh, but you had a pause button. We didn't. Um, This part of the section of the show we're going to call "Inside Blazeball." Uh, We'll explain what that means for those who don't know what Blazeball is in a second. But uh, it's going to be kind of like inside baseball. We don't have time. uh, (laughs) You don't have time. Uh, Come on, you can. You can give the. You can give the absolute fifty (sighs) thousand foot. Give, give, give the two-line pitch on what blaze ball is.
3: Uh, fantasy baseball, except everything is weird and surreal, and sometimes players spontaneously combust or come back for the dead, or, you know, someone takes the game board and shakes it all around and changes the rules, and, you know, what is even baseball? Your
2: oh, I, I thought it was going to be like kickball, but everyone's really, really high. Nope, 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 nope.
1: I would have played sports more often uh, as a child if they were more like that.
0: Uh, I think the, the critical part is fantasy, fantasy baseball, uh, fantasy baseball. So, but fantasy baseball with the emphasis on both the fantasy and on the baseball. So uh, that's that's exactly exactly right. It's uh, it's a it's a browser game. Uh, and it is all the talk in game design circles right now. Uh, very, very, very popular, very strange and has a bit of an ARG twist to it. So you never know. We might be talking about it more in the future. Um, and I first heard about it on a podcast, so it all, it all comes back around. Back together. So something, and this is congratulations. We're going to go from like one heady topic to another heady topic. Um, mm-hmm. The the, the bullet point here is pandemic programming. So we're six months into this and we're, we're getting into a point where some of the live work in person is starting to come back uh, in different places. And we're kind of, uh, you know, confronting where to kind of put draw lines, where to to draw lines, where to put things. And uh, it's leading to, some interesting conversations. Uh, it's also got you know, there's also some conversations we're having about, you know, what what is immersive adjacent enough to justify us listing things on EI, building new categories, and so that was that was sort of the I'm going to peel back the curtain a bit for folks uh, to let them know that, you know, we are having these conversations all the time and uh it's it's something we don't take lightly and um and it's getting trickier because things are different in different countries and we operate in a couple different countries at this point and they're very different in different parts of this country and
4: sometimes it's kind of like uh what's what is safe and what isn't safe and
0: and what the law says versus what's reasonable are all very, very different things right now. So, Catherine, I know you're you're in here in this part of the world with me all the time.
3: Yeah, yeah. So people are starting to do shows that are, you know, something more like um, a processional, uh, potentially indoors or. You know, you know, we're seeing sidewalk shows, things on the top of parking garages, things through windows, storefront windows are getting repurposed. Uh, you might have something where you go and you pick up a box somewhere, and they have staggered the pickup times so that people who don't live with each other Don't come in contact with each other or just extremely small scale shows where the audience might be one person or it might be two people. And they're trying to do as much as possible to protect the cast, protect the crew, protect the audience. And it's tricky because the infection rates vary wildly across the United States and then, as Noah was saying, in different countries. And it's uh, the devil is in the details and no, you know, no more No more so than now, like very specific details on the size of your audience and if strangers are coming into contact with one another and if there's going to be various barriers between the audience and the performer.
0: And we also have, you know, the scenarios where the big theme parks are open in Orlando, but they're not open in California yet. It's unclear when that guidance is going to come down. Evermore. Evermore. Uh, And I haven't looked at the site, but Evermore apparently is going to be open for the fall. That is the LARP park. uh, It's a bit reductive, but eh. yeah, it's the LARP park in uh, Utah. And from what I understand, uh, it's going to be masks are suggested, but not necessarily required. Uh, I am not currently up on the laws in Utah, and I know that there's some very vigorous anti-mask forces. That being said. One of the things I want to lay out here, uh, and it's comes to no surprise. Um, th- look, there's, there's, as far as I'm concerned, there's no pro mask and an anti mask here. There's just, are you mature enough to do what's necessary or not? We, we this is a mask household, um, not because uh, people who wear masks are frightened of the world, but because.
4: You wear the mask to protect other people. You're responsible. Um, That being known, I know that in the escape room world, there are companies
0: who have, if the local regulations allow, allow people to book a room and play Sans mask. Uh, And usually, and leaving that up, and, and that's in a private booking scenario. That also doesn't seem unreasonable to me if people want to take in an, you know, into their own hands, so long as in the public areas they are not exposing. I do think the, the, the one sticky point there and the thing that gives me some willies about that is if you get an asymptomatic carrier in that group of friends, because it's a private booking and they're going into the space unmasked and they contaminate the surfaces and the surfaces are not able to be completely decontaminated then it's somehow passing on to folks i think that's
4: that's why I, masks <laughs> um the, the the more masks the more merry
0: um, we as a entity that controls everythingimmersive.com and no proscenium um we won't cover or list a public
4: booking event that is indoors that allows for patrons to be unmasked if there is a private booking event that takes place indoors that allows
0: patrons to be unmasked, we will enter into a conversation with the producers of that and get a sense for what are they doing to protect
4: their performers, their staff, et cetera. I wish it was super cut and dried because the big problem is, without there being
0: clear federal guidance on this, there's a lot of businesses who are forced to operate, and a lot of independent folks who are forced to try and make a living. And so we've all been put into this untenable situation, and even worse, it's becoming increasingly clear, and I do not like saying the following sentence, that we are probably going to be dealing with some version of this for the next 12 months, that we will not get distribution on effective vaccines before a year out, in terms of how far it's propagated, and we may or may not be able to control and contain. And it is not just about how deadly this thing is, and it's deadly, but it's also about the secondary effects. There's a lot of conversation that isn't happening. You know, people people like to say like, oh, this isn't being covered in the news when something's being covered in the news, or when it's absolute bullshit uh, rumors that are going around. Here's something that isn't actually being covered in the news to the degree that it probably should, which is the long-term complications on this and how much we don't know and how long people stay sick and what physiological effects it's going to have. And half of that comes down to the fact that we don't, we just don't know. And the other half comes down to the fact that like things are so bad that it's one more thing people don't want to think or talk about but that's another reason why
4: it's imperative that we play as safely as possible so for no pro and for ei no public booked things without masks hard stop
3: and that's for f- com.
4: that's everything for for the ei the Facebook group, we will kick anything that violates
0: local rules. So if the local rules, laws, or regulations say
4: that such and such a thing is not allowed, and we know that, we will kick it. Um, We encourage... In that space for folks to really, you know, ask questions,
0: you know, if someone's posting on the Facebook group and that's where if that's where you get your primary information from us, and I imagine a lot of people listening to the show don't, but here's the other thing to tell other people about, and we'll post on the Facebook group too. If you if that's your primary way of getting information, uh, we don't go through with a fine tooth comb on those as much. It's Facebook for the love of God. We. Encourage you to ask the questions and know that if the people making the thing won't be straight with you,
4: that's your answer right there as to whether or not you should be doing business with them. Um, To creators, I just say the last thing you want is a lawsuit. The last thing you want is your production getting a reputation for being the epicenter of a breakout.
0: that's going to tank your reputation. If it, I appeal to your business sense, if not your humanity um, and know that we're going to have to find a way. This is the other thing. The reason why it's not just no events whatsoever, no live stuff, only drive-ins diners and dives, right. Only that stuff. Right. Um, it's because, because we're going to be at this for another year because we have to find a way forward. We have to find ways to, Maintain our sanity, if nothing else. Um, and I think that that's something that we can do as a supportive, creative community. Um, but we got to play it smart. We got to play it smart. And I'm starting to see folks get a little loose, and a little sloppy. And I understand it. We've been at this for a while. Um,
3: at the end of show rant.
0: Yeah, we did the end of show rant yeah, <laughs> in the middle of the show. All right. all right, cool. Yeah, cut the music. Um, Let's go. I was just, I was just thinking, I was thinking about that. Um, <laughs> yeah does Does anyone um, does anyone have anything to tag on to to that one?
4: I agree. Yes,
1: yeah, same here. I think you really said it succinctly for sure. And I think it's, <laughs> it's twenty yeah. minutes long. How's that succinct? So- <laughs> I- well off the top of your head of uh, making a policy of procedure uh, that made sense throughout was impressive, but I would say like it's you know it's it's just a question of the personal risk, right? and I think that's a big part of it, and people know their comfort level, but um per per
0: personal risk and and collective responsibility right correct i think yeah. i think and it's it's this is not something particularly as Americans we're good at or good at talking about without it devolving into something that's political in a way that it shouldn't be. Right. You know, there's, there's a vision for who we are where we watch out for our neighbors, right? Not spy on them, neighborhood watch style,
4: right? Not gossip, you know, but like, I want to point out that, you know, the eighties were so
0: twisted that people would look at the story of Cain and Abel and Cain being like, am I my brother's keeper? And they'd be like, yeah, I'm not my brother's keeper. And it's like, fool, that is the guy who just murdered his brother, right? Like, it's not he's not being cool. You don't want to be Cain. It's like, yeah, I do want to be father of vampires, Um, which is what he he is in The World of Darkness. But um, (laughs) but that's not the lesson. You got the wrong lesson. The lesson is we are our brother's keeper. We are responsible for each other.
4: doesn't take a lot if we all just do a little bit not everything don't get up in everybody's grill don't make everyone's business your business but there's a commons
1: here
0: and, and part of the commons is making sure that you know people
4: aren't dying on your watch um, there's a kind of Catherine go for it
3: oh I was going to say uh... This might be the end of the show, and I gotta eat dinner soon. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that sounds good. All right, we'll save some stuff uh, for for other times. So, okay, yeah, that's that's the that'll be the end of the show. Uh, policy set. Uh, end of show rant achieved during show. Um, anything Achievement unlocked? Achievement unlocked. That's that's an old meme at this point. Kind of miss it. I miss those days. Uh Anything anyone looking forward to, Uh, anything anyone should be, any little little happy note, happy notes for, for the audience before we we send them on their way?
4: I mean, there are are some, no, go ahead, Will. I was about to say, there are some, there's gotta be happy notes.
0: (laughs) Patrick, I think you had something.
1: Well, I was just, you know, I think, you know, everything immersive has a bunch of great selections. I've heard that the picks of picks of the week to help maybe highlight some stuff is available um, for people to do, but I think there's a lot of really great online stuff. You know, I think it's the stuff that we talk about constantly or is on the website or has been reviewed, all of it worth checking out. You know, there's great stuff there and worth exploring.
0: Yeah. Uh... Some good news uh, that should be public by this point in time. Uh in LA, Welcome Home is gonna come back for a weekend in October, so the 23rd and 24th. Cool. So uh that it's uh was just a two-weekend thing last weekend, and this weekend, but they are extending and doing another run. That is the um that is the mystery suspense box plus dinner uh that is available and is getting uh there's a good review on the site and there's getting um well, there's about to be a good review on the site. There is a good review site. I'm tired. Yes, it's been a long week. It's
3: up, Check it's out up. Kevin, that's
0: right. Of up. Welcome
3: Kevin. Home, currently on the site. In addition to that, I'll add on, uh, Laura did a great review of Each and Every by Kendall House Collective. There are a fair number of spoilers in her review and the show is currently sold out, but there is a wait list and it just seems like potentially the most joyful thing that Kendall House has ever done. And shout oh. out to Kara Mandel for writing um, a wonderful column about how she's using VR and remote escape rooms as kind of a, you know, stress relief pressure valve, and um, you know, making sure that she does take some time away to relax, have some fun, see some friends. So great job on that, Kara.
0: All right. And on that note, Will, Patrick, Catherine, thank you all for uh, for doing the team speak thing.
1: Thank you. Thanks for cool. having us. Thank all you right. so much. Cool.
0: Once again, I want to thank Will, Catherine and Patrick for being our guests, our guests, our co-talkers. What is it when we, what is it when we have the team on? I don't even know. Anyway, um, like I said, you got the end of the show rant already. Uh, you kind of got two. Let's, let's, let's say you got two rants in that one. Um... Why would you want to hear my voice anymore? I don't, I don't even want to hear my voice right now. Uh, in case you do, uh, and you, Patreon backer, the Irregular's got 10 more whole minutes of me. Oh my God. Uh, yeah. So there we go. Uh, program notes, spooky season newsletter is coming out. Uh, it's, it's been a hell of a week. Uh, and I did delay it like four times. So it's coming out, uh, as soon as I can finish it. Maybe that's today. Maybe that's tomorrow morning. Uh, the webtoes stuff uh, is the the ducktails thing. That's that's still that's still planned. And next week uh, we've got. It's been. It's every day has fallen apart completely. Things beyond my control. Find out on the irregular. If you really care, if you really care, you'll give me two dollars. <laughs> put my put my personal life behind a paywall, which honestly, you know, makes sense. I don't know, but uh, why? Why give away the milk for free? Is what I'm saying. I find it very amusing because it's super depressing. Uh, So uh, yeah, so there we go with that's what's up with that. Next week on the show, uh, Tara O'Con of uh, of uh, Then She Fell and other uh, has performed with other uh, done other things with their drill projects, and uh, there'll be some fun stuff related to that. And beyond that, don't know yet because I haven't recorded it yet. uh, But there will be more. In the very near future, there's some, there's some really interesting stuff going on and I think we're going to have, um, oh, I just had a good idea. I just had a good idea for a podcast. So, <laughs> you know how this works. And if for some reason this is the first, your first episode of the show, I'm really sorry. <laughs> I'm not sorry. I am, but I'm not. It's amazing. Okay, I'm punch drunk and I haven't even had any booze today. So, oh, oh no, See, so, you know, I don't like drink on the regular, so it's not like a thing. Um, I'm tired, I'm gonna go. You have a good weekend. I'm gonna try and have a good weekend too. Let's beat this thing. Let's do the credits. All right, so the people who keep this place functioning, okay, that would be our sustaining backers. Mark Baltazar, Jan Budman, Paul F., Lonnie Hanson, Ari Hurston, Sam Kinkin, Samuel Mustry, Sydney Guillory, Jeremy Charles Hahn, Alicia Mullen, Emily Gillette, Brittany, and Elaine. Can help us out at patreon.com slash You can find everything we do at noprerscinium.com. You can find their searchable listings website, everythingimmersive.com. You can find us in the Facebook group. Yes, after all that, I'm gonna plug our Facebook group. Our Facebook group. I don't I end of the day, I don't think Facebook is irredeemable. I just think it needs some work, some major work. Uh Facebook.com slash everything immersive. Uh you can find us on Twitter. The hell site that I love the most. At No Proscenium, uh, Catherine really holds down the fort on on that on that Twitter. Um, that's it for now. The music for No Proscenium is by Chris Porter of the Speakeasy Society. You heard a sting that hasn't been used for a hot minute because of the break, and I was happy to give you some more Chris Porter music. And yeah, I'm the train wreck that is Noah Nelson. And until next time. Thank you for wearing the mask, seriously.